starting our final hour of the show. Capital Casino is back with indoor gaming and dining located inside at 411 North 16th Street in downtown Sacramento. Jason Ross here with you. We've got one more hour to go. Normally, Wednesdays at 5 is when we check in with the great Chris Landry, but we have Kings basketball tomorrow afternoon. So Chris was nice enough to move it up. we got to get our fix in. LandryFootball.com. He's Chris Landry, and he is joining us here today. Chris, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm good. I'm just trying to picture your your site at LandryFootball.com explaining the NFL this last weekend because uh, a lot of us watch it every week, and it makes sense. Last weekend didn't make as much sense to me. That was a bizarre weekend in the league. It really was, you know, and uh, trying to figure out the AFC in particular is really getting confusing. Is uh, It's looking a little bit mediocre, although Tennessee's had a nice little run here. Everybody looks just kind of eh. You know, but uh, certainly just overall, I mean, uh, looking at Dallas and uh, how poorly they played at the top of the NFC and, um, you know, it did uh, really a lot of surprises uh, in, in how he played out this week. And um, it's going to be interesting to see Buffalo playing very poorly, you know, mm-hmm. so it's to be interesting to see this week how things uh, right itself or will it. Yeah, that's the thing because it was just so strange. And then we have these opinions on teams. I think it was four first place teams that lost last week. Some of them may be under understandable. Like let's, I'm going to ask about a game that I was really looking forward to before the situation with Aaron Rodgers. But then I still wanted to see Jordan Love play. I was not impressed with him, and also not impressed with the Chiefs. That that game left everything out there. I didn't like that game at all. Yeah, it did. I mean, look, I mean, Jordan Love, you can't expect a whole lot from him. I think it's he's a young guy, and it's going to take a while to figure out what he is or isn't. But uh, certainly you get the feeling that Aaron Rodgers is in that game. They win it. Chiefs were not real impressive. You take a win and move on, but they've got a long way to go. Um, that was not the game I thought it would be. I thought the Chiefs would be able to score a little bit more. And I would say that there's a little positives coming out of for, for Green Bay to play like they did, the way they did around the quarterback um, leads them to believe that they've got a real shot. And why I think the NFC is a little bit more, well, a little bit more top-heavy in that um, they got to feel like they've got a chance to be pretty good with Aaron Rodgers coming back. Mm-hmm. Uh, going to the NFC and a team that didn't have their quarterback was Arizona. They played the Niners, and Chris, I don't like to put this out there unless I think just watching it, I thought the Niners were outcoached, and I think it's a good coaching staff, a good head coach, but uh, to not have your quarterback, to not have your top skill player at receiver and control the game and just, I don't know, the Niners to me almost have to have everything on their schedule to be good. And you can't always have it that way. And I just, I thought they got outplayed and outcoached on Sunday. Yeah, it looks, it looks like they're done really. I mean, they're, they're pretty much played their way out of it in the, in the NFC. Um, you know, Arizona just jumped on them and got the big lead. And I, to me, it was more defense with the Niners mm-hmm. because you get down that far, then you're not going to be able to work your offense through the run game. And if the Niners can't run their offense through the run game, they're 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 toast. I mean, they're just they're not going to they're not a very good team. So I, I think that they're in a really tough spot. The Cardinals are playing well. The pass rush kind of teed off on them. I thought the offensive line of the Niners really struggled. Uh, it wasn't a good performance. I'm with you. I think the Cardinals have done an outstanding job. Um, I think that they, you know, been the, the most consistent team in the NFC all year long. So I'm, I'm curious to see, you know, how it continues here and um, what goes on from here on out because that, that team is playing and playing with a lot of confidence. Yeah, and even with, as we've talked about the last couple of weeks, the playoffs with seven teams making it, there's still some teams on the fringe there that are, are battling, the Niners included. But I look at the teams in that group, 
Seattle's getting Russell Wilson back. And, you know, other teams seem to be playing better than them while the Niners just are just kind of meandering through this season. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, certainly the Cardinals, the Packers, the Rams, the Bucks, the Cowboys, those are the teams that are the legitimate contenders. But you're right, that's five teams. So who's six and who's seven? So I would certainly nominate the Seahawks, when Russell Wilson getting back, that is somebody that quote-unquote could get hot. But pick the rest of the teams. I mean, Saints, Niners, Eagles. I mean, mm. you know, stop me when I excite you. There, there's no <laughs> one there. We're one team short in the NFC, and I don't know. Maybe it's the maybe it's the Saints because the Saints seem to you know lose to the Falcons, lose to the Giants, and you know beat teams like the Packers and and the Patriots. So uh, who knows how that's going to play out? But you know that's the that's the issue when you expand playoffs. I mean, we see that in the NBA. We see it in other mm-hmm. uh, well, in particular the NBA and hockey and um, we're doing it in football now. You're, you're going to get some teams that are not playoff caliber more and more that make it. I know when we visited the last couple of weeks, we we speculated on whether the Raiders were a team like that, and they've uh, they were in first. They go cross country, and I know they went through a lot last week, but um, just they didn't have it. They didn't have their zip. They were they were off. They deserve to lose. Um, it, it could be just one week for them. They're still five and three. They get the Chiefs this week, but when you see Las Vegas, do they have the look of a playoff team to you? Well, no, but, I mean, I think they can still make it, kind of what we're saying. If you're looking in the AFC, who does? Tennessee's playing well. I think Baltimore is one. But then you got Buffalo and the Chargers that are not playing like it. You throw the Steelers and the Patriots, the Chiefs in the mix. The Raiders would kind of be in that next group. Look, at five and, and three, they're still in the mix. They absolutely can be a playoff team, but it looks like they're missing pieces. And I keep looking at kind of the – the more and more I think of it, and I go back to the to the 2020 draft, two first-round picks, both of those guys now not even on that team. Think about that. You're not even 10 games into the second season in their two first-round picks. Guys that you would be the staples that you'd build around, not even there anymore. Very, very disappointing that it almost gets the feeling like they've missed their opportunity. You wonder how they're going to respond the rest of the year. They've gone through an awful lot. I was – he was on my podcast today thinking, I just don't know. I mean, it's, I know it's about this season and what they can do, but I have some real concerns because Mark Davis was putting all of his faith in John group. I mean, he made all the football decisions, ran the organization. And I, I worry about Mark Davis, not having a real good way to go. He doesn't have a general manager that's experienced or qualified and he was just kind of a guy that just was there to do what John Gruden wanted. Without John, I mean, this is going to be some tough decisions that he's going to have to make. And I don't know that he's got good football people, good enough football people around him to make it. So I worry about the Raiders more than just beyond this team. But going forward, I, I do worry. Hmm, interesting. As we're talking with Chris Landry, LandryFootball.com. Other story that's out there is Odell Beckham. He's cleared waivers. Uh, he's certainly not the guy he was maybe back in his Giants days, but is he still someone you would take a chance on? I would be very cautious. I think that he's injury prone and having him available is one thing. Two, he can be a real headache with your quarterback. He'd say demand the football more of about me and what I can do. And it's under the guise of I want to win. I want to do this, but you know, I think certainly it's a me first, team second guy. But yet I think in the right locker room, um, you certainly could mitigate some of that. 
I, I don't know where he's going to go. I would I think clearly where he'd like to go is a team that's in contention that has a good quarterback. I would say this. I don't know that it's the – I'm not projecting anything, but the organization that might be able to handle it the best would be Seattle. Russell Wilson – a head coach that knows how to deal with players, sometimes guys that are problems and attitude issues. Uh, I think that Russell and Pete and that, that and they may be able to handle it, but I don't know where he's going to go. And I think it is buyer beware. You know, I don't think he's a locker room killer, but I do think he's got a little locker room lawyer in him. And I think mm-hmm. sometimes how he kind of turns people against his quarterback, um, you know, can be very, very problematic. We've seen him do it at two places now. So, uh, and we're not talking about a great player. I mean, we're talking about somebody that can still be a factor and be a weapon on a really good team. No doubt. N- no doubt about that. But is he healthy? Is he able to do it? I- or is leg shot? I mean, all of those things, I think, are are legitimate questions to ask as to whether this guy can be the difference maker for you. Saints, does it work there? I do not think so. Now, Sean may want to take a chance on it. Michael Thomas is gone. Uh, but the quarterback situation is not ideal there. Um, Sean probably could handle a little bit, but I think Sean would get very frustrated with them. I don't know that he makes as strong of a push there as a lot of the media folks think. We'll, we'll see. Maybe they will. If he does, I just don't see that as being as good of a fit. I get it. The Saints are one of those teams that when you start adding up seven playoff teams, we're, we're again, we're short at least one, if not two teams in the NFC, and the Saints could be that team. And certainly with the way that, you know, this defense is built to at least play pretty effectively and run the football, he certainly could help them get into the playoffs. But, you know, the Saints are just not good enough to make a strong run. And I don't know that that would be an ideal fit for Odell. I think people are linking it because the saints need a position and that's where Odell's from. Now, you know, his dad, I coached his dad, Odell senior and Odell from Marshall, Texas, but they kind of settled uh, Odell and his wife and had Odell junior kind of in, in the new Orleans area. So I think that has kind of linked him a little bit more than I think the fit is frankly. Mm. Last night, Chris, a controversial call taunting in the game with uh, Pittsburgh and Chicago. Not the first time this taunting that's been emphasized by the officials this year has had its share of controversy. You think it's for the better, for the worse? Are they getting this right, wrong? Where are you on this call? Well, look, I mean, they're emphasizing that, and so that's exactly what they're asking them to do. Um, I mean, I, is I think do I think it's a little much? I do, but – they are they are focusing on that, and they're teaching them to call that. So I think that we need to understand that when we look at it. I, 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 thought, I do thought it was a bit much, and I thought it had an impact, certainly an impact last night. Yeah. Um, as we look ahead to this week, um, some of the games coming up, uh, you know, we talked about the Rams and, uh, excuse me, the Raiders and the 49ers. They both have intriguing games, and the Niners can get themselves back in the mix on Monday night, but they get the Rams who are coming off that loss. I think the Niners – who haven't won at home yet, uh, might go 0-5 at home because this is a tough matchup for not only the Rams, but also the Rams coming off a loss. Yeah, it is. And trying to get right, um, you know, first of all, defending an offense that certainly was frustrated uh, last week by a Titans team that's now beaten some pretty good teams consecutive three, you know, consecutive weeks. 
this is going to be quite the challenge. And do, do, do the Niners have enough offense here? I mean, can they run the football on the defensive front? I'm curious to see what Von Miller can do at this stage in a situational role. I mean, it certainly looks like the the Rams are a clear favorite. But last week showed us that, you know, this. I've been in this league long enough to know, Jason, that anything can happen. Hmm. I got to tell you, it is a – it is a absolutely, you know, not mathematically, but a must win for the Niners to just kind of get back into any semblance of trying to make a run in the back end of the season. So um, I think it's a very, very, you know, pivotal game. And of course, you know, the Raiders have got the Chiefs and a big one, Seattle, you know, Russell Wilson being cleared. Is it going to practice? Mm-hmm. Is it going to have a chance against Green Bay? The Saints in Tennessee, the hot Tennessee team without Derrick Henry. Um, yeah, there's some intriguing games. And then, uh, you know, how about Cleveland, New England? Yeah. I mean, we've got some good matchups there. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that because I think a lot of times I'm guilty of it. I'll look at the outliers. Who's off to the hot start? Who got off to a slow start? Then we kind of forget about the teams that are just kind of there in the middle. But as they go on, I mean, we this Brown team or even this Patriot team might be a 10 or 11 win team when we're not really paying attention to them. I think New England's done a good job of kind of re, uh, refinding their groove. What do you think about that Browns-Patriots game? Well, I think that the the Browns certainly getting, you know, back Chubb healthy. That That's a team that runs the football, and certainly it looked like they played more relaxed and more free. And, you know, again, they, they look like they're a little bit freer team without Odell and the distractions there. They're a running football team that, you know, Baker can make plays for him, but you don't want to put the game in his hands. And I think that um, defensively they played very well. They still got a shot. They still got a shot to kind of turn it around, but they've been dealing with injuries. The Patriots didn't run the football well last week, but they beat a a really banged up Carolina team. Um, you know, Mac Jones is solid. Look, if, if Buffalo doesn't you know stop playing around here, they, they, mm. they're certainly the Patriots are in that division race. But the Bills certainly are the better team here, and and I think the Patriots are. You know, right now, a, a, a playoff possibility as a wild card. But again, in the division race, because, you know, Buffalo's had a couple of games that are uh, really mysterious. And so losing to Jacksonville last week kind of um, was a really surprise to me. And they're not running the football. They got a little bit of Chiefs in them. They, they, they don't run the football well. They can't protect leads. And in a case of last week, they couldn't run the football well enough to get any points or protect their quarterback. So um, it's going to be interesting to see who can emerge is it, who can emerge there. But I think that's a really good game. Uh, New England is solid. New England, nothing special. Cleveland's a little bit better, a little bit more, more gifted in terms of their ability to control the game with the run game. But you know they're a little more up and down. New England is steady. They do what they do. You can beat them, but you usually have to go in there and beat them because uh, they usually don't beat themselves. Chris, I, uh, as we switched to college football last week, I got to give you credit. You said, watch out. We are going over the top four. They had already been established, but you said Purdue might might get Michigan State this week, and boy, did they. Um, so a, about a double-digit win, I think it was 40-29. to 29. Michigan State obviously will go out of the top four, but what do you think about that game and kind of what's your new top four? Well, um, I'm not surprised. I knew Purdue could – throw the football to Michigan State secondary. Michigan State's a good team, but they're not they're not a playoff caliber team. And I, I felt that all along. I, I really thought Michigan outplayed them, and Michigan shot themselves in the foot and played poorly, and I don't think Michigan's a playoff team either. 
So I could see that happening. I don't think Purdue's going to have quite as much success against Ohio State, although Ohio State's not playing their best. I, I'm going to guess that Georgia's going to be one. The number two spot's up for grabs, but I, I don't know who to put there and who the committee's going to put there. It, it, you know, certainly Alabama's not playing like a number two, but I don't know that I would say Oregon, Ohio State is either. So in some order, in some combination, probably Alabama, Oregon, Ohio State at two, three, four. I would think Cincinnati might move up to five. I think Oklahoma might move up a couple of spots, um, maybe as high as six. I would probably put them five. Oklahoma's got to win out the rest of their games. They got Baylor, um, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, and then potentially a Big 12 championship game. As I said last week, if they win out, they're in, but that's not a given that they're going to win out. So in essence, Georgia is the only team that looks like yes. they're really on a different level. And even Alabama's looking very mortal. Um, so it's, it's fun. The opposite, just, you know, the fact that uh, Georgia looks completely dominant. I will say this. Um, I think Georgia is going to win and probably win going away, but I am curious to see at least, would Tennessee's fast pace, meaning up-tempo offense, how Georgia adjusts to it? Because Georgia hasn't has to, had to face this style of offense. I think they're going to handle it. I think they're going to handle it offensively with their running game against a weak Tennessee defense. But that's something I'm look for, looking forward to, to see how Georgia passed that test. I think they will. But how they're how they're going to handle it? Uh, that kind of jumped uh, jumped out at me. I thought A and M was dominant on defense again this past week, and I'm curious to see. Um, you know, if Oregon, I don't think Oregon can run the table, but uh, I'm yeah. curious to see where Oregon is tonight. I think they'll still stay ahead of Ohio State for the time being. That's what I was going to ask you. I was looking at their schedule here for the Pac-12: Washington State, Utah at Utah, and Oregon State, and then of course the Pac-12 championship. You don't, you don't. I don't know that they can make it through that either. Those four. At Utah is going to be a bear, and you know what? They may have to play them twice. Right? I, I, they're not. They're not beating Utah twice if that's that. I mean, they just Utah is so good. Utah is the ultimate developmental program in out west. I mean, they they're like what Wisconsin and Iowa and Kentucky is, and other parts. They are so well coached. And think about the tragic events that they've had to deal yeah. with in Salt Lake City this year, and then the quarterback leaving. Kyle Whittingham just does not get enough credit. He is outstanding. They develop players. They develop a toughness. And in a league where not everybody plays the tough brand of football, they are tough. They are nasty. They're mean. They run the football. They play tough defense. They're good on special teams. Um, so I'm, that's going to be a tough – you know, if Oregon runs the table, they will earn it, particularly if they got to play those guys twice. You good with uh, Nebraska bringing back Scott Frost? Well, listen, I understand it. Um, look, I don't know that it's going to work, but here's the circumstance real quick. And I did a podcast on it. My Big Ten podcast, I focused on it. He agreed to take a contract restructuring. And if they were to fire him now, they owe him $20 million. Mm. He has taken a reduction in pay by a million a year, and he's lowered his buyout. So if they fire him next year, it's $7.5 million. That's a huge difference, obviously. They are going to take that extra money, put it into the staff. They're going to change staff. He is one of their own. They are playing hard. They're competitive in all the games. They have not quit. But Jason 
they make more mistakes that cost themselves games than anybody in the country that plays close games at a big-time level. You know, the whole theory of the, the first step towards winning games is to learn how to not lose them. I mean, they lose more games on special teams, mental errors, so they've got a lot to clean up. But I think because it's one of their own, and I think because it costs a lot of money, and it's a good job, but I don't know that they feel like right now they can go out, shake down the coaching trees, and get somebody that's more proven than Scott. I think they want to give him another year, and Scott is betting on himself. So I think they basically, pardon the pun, punted this Hmm. to kind of see if he can fix it, to give him a chance to fix it. I think that's the biggest difference in some of the cases where the expectations and the expectations are big at Nebraska, but they're not like unreasonably big in some places. And the relationship, while in some places not ideal, this one, it is really good. And I think everyone in the administration and the fan base wants Scott to be successful. And I think they're all going to feel better next year if, if if they have to part ways, if they gave them all the time he needed, and he did everything. I mean, I think that says a lot. Jim uh, Jim Harbaugh did it, but I think he was asked to do it. My understanding is Scott Frost went in, and part of his plan with Trev Alberts was, look, let's do this. I want to take a pay cut. I want to give back money to my school. I want to do things to fix it. You help me fix it. We'll go forward, and look, we'll lower the buyout so that if we have to part ways, I'm not hamstrunging my school i think that's a that in this day and age where that doesn't happen very often that speaks volumes mm. i could ask you my my team i follow that i love uh have for, since i was a kid was ucla is chip gonna make it there i i, I mean it just feels like they've just kind of hovered around what they've done this year and in previous years having losing seasons i think it depends on how they finish the rest of the year you're correct i think that chip has begun to get the offense the way he wants. He certainly was a slow build. That's how he does it. The defense hasn't come around consistently enough. I think that still their unwillingness to pay the money off would probably lend itself to him getting another year. But let's see how it finishes. You know finishing out poorly can change things. So we'll see what they do. They got Colorado, USC, Cal, and – you know, I, I think they went out, and I think he saves his job. But let's revisit that if it doesn't hmm. finish as well. Cal, of course, in USC, game canceling. Very disappointing to hear about yeah. that. But, um, you know, yeah, I, I'm with you there. I think a lot of people thought that Chip would have a bigger impact. He doesn't recruit the big-time players, but he likes developing his program. And I think one more year is probably all he's going to get. But, you know, that program should be top 20, top 25 every year, and I've been disappointed on, on a lot of the moves that they've made over the years now. Yeah, you and me both on that one. All right, uh, let everybody know, Chris, about uh, LandryFootball.com. You mentioned the podcast you just did too as well. What, what are all the great stuff they can find there? Well, we get to do a podcast on all the conferences. We do uh, an NFL podcast that just got done dropping, so you can check all of that out for free at LandryFootball.com. To get the detailed film room analysis, the, the breakdowns of the games of the past week and the games upcoming, 
That's what you get at LandryFootball.com. It's like having your own coaching and scouting department for less than a magazine subscription. So check it out today. Take advantage of the football season sale. It's just to give you an idea. It's less than $10 a month. It's cheaper than that if you get the year membership. So plenty of different options. Check it out. If you like football, you're going to love LandryFootball.com. I encourage everybody to go there, LandryFootball.com. Chris, we always enjoy the insight and the visit. We'll talk to you again next week. Hey, thank you so much. Have a great one. All right, you too. That is uh, Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com joining us each and every week right here on KHDK. All right, break time for us still. We'll take you to the top of the hour. Then it'll be UC Davis basketball as they'll take on Utah State. We'll come back. Much more to get to, including last night in the NBA and current action as well. We'll do that when we return right here on Sports 1140 KHDK. Why weren't the cameras on Chris? Wow. Back here on Sports 1140 KHDK. Thanks again to Sean Cunningham for joining us last hour. Chris Landry just in our final segment or uh, previous segment. Anything you ever miss on the show, go back to khdk.com, our podcast page. You can catch up on everything uh, there. And we do appreciate our guests that have shown up for us today. Lincoln Kennedy will be on the show tomorrow. Short show tomorrow as well because we are going to have Kings basketball, Kings and the Spurs tomorrow night to start that four-game road trip. Uh, when someone gets in trouble, generally the punishment is doled out to keep you from doing something again, generally, whatever that punishment might be. If you're a kid you got grounded, the, hopefully your parents did that because they wanted to stop you from whatever that action was or whatever the punishment is. I think I know where you're going with this. Yeah? I think they got it right. They did. The NFL. Is that where I'm going? And the Green Bay Packers. Uh Lesson learned. Because COVID is serious and the league's not going to mess around with this. They did their investigation. They looked into the Packers and their handling of this. And so the Packers have been fined $300,000 for COVID violations of the NFL and NFL Players Association protocols. While Aaron Rodgers and Alan Lazard each fined $14,600. Fourteen thousand six hundred fifty dollars. Lesson learned, would you say? Will that teach him? Not that I want any of them to get COVID again. I don't want anybody to get COVID. I don't even know what's a what's a, a fine, uh, a regular fine. A um, you know, like in the NBA, if you get a technical, you have, there's a fine you have to pay the league. Um, I'm wondering if if there's other violations that certainly would outweigh that. I would believe. That would be levied to a player, but I had seen something before. Someone had even put out there on Twitter. Uh, am I remember remembering this right? I thought the Saints. Well, you think about other things that they're involved in, right? With Bounty Gate and other stuff like that. How how that was treated and lost of draft picks and coaches dismissed and lost for a year. Um, different situations granted, but obviously much stiffer penalties levied. And so again, Packers fined $300,000 for COVID violations of the NFL and the NFL players association protocols while Aaron Rodgers, Alan Lazard each fined fourteen. I, I think this is what you're referring to. It was from Ian Rappaport. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was at the beginning of the year. So March 20th, 
The Saints will forfeit their sixth round selection uh, okay. yeah. in twenty twenty two and will be fined seven hundred thousand dollars for violations under the NFL NFLPA COVID protocols during the twenty twenty season. So less than half. Um two individual players were fined, but less than half for the team and no draft picks. Correct. Interesting. Okay. And maybe I don't know what they're looking at. What's deemed who were the Saints in my mind then reading that I go the Saints were more reckless. I don't know. I don't know how this was handled in Green well, Bay. I mean, what was the big thing that Aaron Rodgers did do? He said he followed every protocol except for one. He was I know he challenged what not wearing a mask on the sideline during the preseason. Okay. So in week 2, Saints head coach Sean Payton did not properly wear his face covering in week 2 resulting in a $250,000 fine for the team and a $100,000 fine for Peyton. And the team had a massless celebration following a Week 9 win, leading to a $500,000 fine. Wow. Okay. Sometimes, I've always said this about these, I just feel like they spin the wheel and land on the number, and it's like, all right, that's what we're going with. There's someone that that's their job to figure this out and see... What should be levied there? There are the and numbers for you. Aaron Rodgers admittedly said, I didn't do it because I think it's not a good rule. He's like, it's a dumb, it's a dumb rule. I don't want to do it. There's no point of me wearing a mask. That's what he said. It wasn't like he, oh, oops, I forgot to put my mask on one day. Right. Uh, oh, I forgot to. He knowingly did not do it. And that was just one. That was week two for Sean Payton. Uh-huh. This was every week of the season. Right. Interesting. Okay. Seems laughable to me. But whatever, that is the penalty that has been levied and handed out. Uh, Seems like that's what we say after every NFL punishment. (laughs) Right, that's true. That's true. Um, Chris, where are you on this? I saw it posted. I I guess there's – the name value gives it intrigue to me, but I don't really want to see it because – well, I don't even know what I'm going to be looking at. Darren Williams and Frank Gore as part of the undercard fight for – who is it? Tommy Fury and Jake Paul. I don't want to see any of that. I don't either. Um, and part of it is I, I actually like Darren Williams and Frank Gore. Like, I don't I don't want – you know, who was it who just got crushed? Nate uh, Nate Robinson. I mean, just. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, it, yeah, sure, it's a Twitter meme and everything. I'm like, yeah, but he – man, I, I don't like seeing that. I don't know. Are you So you're not interested? I'm not interested no. in it. The whole celebrity boxing thing. Yeah. Cause on top – because you're getting two people that really – don't know what they're doing right like, n- not that they don't know what they're doing but it's not like they're trained fighters well this i is, know they do train but yeah. they haven't been doing this for the better part of their life but like i wouldn't want to see a fighter go and play football mm-hmm. i mean it's like you don't belong there it doesn't matter how quick quick you are or how fast you are you don't belong there yeah and it's you know in this case where it's generally What's the draw of the sport? Someone getting knocked out or knocked down or someone that's that impressive. And if one of them is substantially better than the other, I don't. it might be, wow, Frank Gore is a great fighter or looks good compared to Darren Williams. But is that what we want to see? Or Darren Williams roughing up Frank Gore? I, I don't. I don't want to see that. I want to see them in the middle of the ring at WrestleMania like it should be. Real battles. Yes. Yes. I agree. So anyway, that's a... I guess signed, sealed, and delivered. That's going to happen. Frank Gore and Darren Williams to fight as part of the Jake Paul-Tommy Fury card. All right. 
Uh, NBA last night, not only the Kings we were talking about earlier, just a bizarre three games in one, as we explained earlier, with the first half being somewhat normal, the third quarter being awful, the fourth quarter just being weird with an opportunity for the Kings to get a win. Uh, Of the games last night, Chicago continues to, I think, really make a statement. I know they were a team that everybody was kind of saying you must watch for. Them and, and the Hornets. Well, seeing the Hornets firsthand now, Charlotte doesn't guard or didn't against the Kings at all. And there was a lot of hype around Charlotte, and I think they're fun and entertaining. They were 3-0. and They're 5-7. and So they've gone 2-7 and in their last nine games after losing to the Lakers last night. But there's much more to the Chicago Bulls. DeMar DeRozan's playing very well. Vucevic was the addition last year that really did nothing for him then, but now has just stabilized their overall balance. Levine is good. Ball fits in well. Chicago took it to the Nets last night. That was nice, 118 to 95. Uh, one of the more entertaining games was the Timberwolves and the Grizzlies. Timberwolves got the bank three at the buzzer by Carl Anthony Towns, only to go overtime. And then the Grizzlies pulled that one away and won. We mentioned earlier the Heat and the Nuggets, the situation with Jokic and Morris, both ejected after trading blows, which was called a take foul by Morris, which was, there was much more to it. But then certainly Jokic responded as he shouldn't have. And uh, we played this earlier, but here was Jokic kind of getting a, a little too emotional about the whole situation. I think it's, it was a dirty play, and then I just needed to protect myself. I'm, I felt it bad, and it's, I'm not supposed to react that way, first of all, to not get thrown out of the game. Uh, so uh, to, uh, I cannot help my team win the game, which is the most important thing. But, uh, you know, it, it happens. I feel bad. Uh, I'm not supposed to react that way. But, you know, on the way, I need to protect them somehow myself. All right, one more comment from uh, Jokic after the game. If I didn't react that way, it wouldn't be a, even a flagrant foul or whatever. So it was just in a moment of uh, whatever, adrenaline, you know, running up and down. You just, it's reaction. Yeah, well, uh, still haven't seen any fines yet or suspensions, but they're coming uh, for him, certainly. And I would think for maybe some money docked for Morris as well. Because without Morris's first um First incident, the second one doesn't happen, but the second one wasn't necessary at all, but he went for it, and uh, he will pay for that one. And then we talked about it earlier. The Warriors got the win. They go to 9-1, and 6-1 and one at home. They're just thriving on this very long homestand. I mean, it's eight games. It started with the Grizzlies that they lost to, uh, but they beat the Thunder, the Hornets, the, Pace, the Pelicans, the Rockets, the Hawks, and it's still going. They get the Timberwolves tomorrow. But Steph went for 50, and he was he was really Really impressive. As far as tonight goes in the NBA, uh, currently they're just underway in the second half. Milwaukee, who's gotten off to a slow start this year, they lead Philadelphia 64-58. Philly is just being held together. There's too many important pieces that are out for Philly right now with Joel Embiid out with COVID uh, situation there. Same with Tobias Harris and then obviously playing without Ben Simmons. So, I mean, it's a lineup. This is who they're starting tonight. Reed, Drummond, Maxi, Milton, and Korkmaz. Just not the same team, but... And it's a 66-58 Milwaukee with the lead in that one. And there's only two other games tonight in the NBA. You've got Atlanta and Utah. Utah, 7-3. and three. It's still, in my opinion, the best team in the West. And then Portland and the Clippers. Both teams have been hovering right around 500. Blazers, 5-5. Five and five. Clippers, 5-4. and four. That one is being played in Los Angeles. 
All right. So we will break here. Again, coming up at the top of the hour, it is UC Davis basketball as UC Davis to take on Utah State. Again, that's a great atmosphere for college hoops. So a good season opener for them. want to tell you, too, it's time to get a new mattress. Shop local at Sleep First. Break time for us. We'll come back. Some final thoughts and the crossover. That's all coming up here on Sports 1140 KHTK. Here on Sports 1140 KHDK. Final segment here of the show. We'll have the crossover coming up in a few minutes. Again, UC Davis basketball. They'll be taking on Utah State. Thinking as uh, all this college basketball is on tonight. Again, we got the Aggies coming up here shortly. Sac State has their first game. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on on social media about some of these high-profile guys that are expected to go um, in the draft, their first games. I don't know if college uh, college basketball will ever have the same – uh, punch it did at least for me I guess I can only speak for myself I'm still a college basketball fan I feel like I watch it less and less every year um, but there could be storylines there can be teams that grab my attention I love the game I've always loved basketball I always love college basketball but I don't know if it'll ever have the same zip that it did and you know now we're talking gosh almost 20 years ago and before that because of all you really know to me is the coaches and then you'll get introduced to that next group of players. But if that's a good group of players, they're there for one year and then they're gone. I think the college basketball or college sports in general has tried to do that. Yeah. And it just, it just feels college sports to begin with feels like a gray area. Yeah. I mean, especially for, not everybody is going to make it to the next level, but there are certain people that you know have a great chance to, and I think they're just literally trying to pass the time to get to the next level. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's fine. I don't you know, blame anyone, but I just, you know, when you could have, even think about like the Fab Five, which is one of the iconic teams, Chris Weber, who we had on, you know, earlier this year, like he would have been there one season. Like that would, the Fab Five would have been one year. And it wasn't long. He was there two, but, and, and most of the other group was three, if not more, but it's, it, that would have been one run through. And other people are, are going different avenues now. Yeah, true. That's true. Um, so to be tied, like last year, I, as I heard, we talked with Chris Landry earlier. I'm a big UCLA fan. They ended up having a dream season. They were okay. They were having an all right season. They got to the tournament and got right. They had to play in the first day against Michigan State, got through that, and then they just kept advancing and kept winning and kept winning and got to the final four before they were ultimately eliminated on the the final shot there by Jalen Suggs. But now people expect them to be good again because all of those guys came back. It's not how it works, but it could be. They've got a good recruiting class too, but it's amazing to see like who's the next guy at Kansas and Kentucky and North Carolina. They all come one and then they're gone. Ironically, what's making college basketball interesting are these teams that are are these smaller teams that are able to hold on to yeah. these guys for two, three years and create assistant Butler. Yes. With Davion. Yeah. Or like, Baylor. Yeah. Baylor. Yeah. What did, what but did Butler before. But, Butler before. Yeah. It's Just, true. They're able to put a system together and it's, <laughs> hey, imagine that a team sport. If you, you play better as a team than yeah. a bunch of individuals, you can get around the same 
output. Yeah, and I wonder if NBA's uh, decision makers are going to start looking at that a little bit differently. Not that there's plenty of guys that come in with all this talent that are 18 and 19 and do succeed, but a lot of times you might be waiting on that player that you have to develop for three to four years and make that decision on whether or not you're going to keep him, whereas a player like two games ago, the Kings played the Pacers. Duarte started and Davion Mitchell played a ton. Chris Duarte played all his years at Oregon, and he's he looks like a pro. He's just ready. He's comfortable. Davion has belonged since his first summer league game. So, and to go the negative, Chris, he's twenty two. He's an old man. He's twenty two. Oh, heaven forbid, he's and ready to go. And then on the other hand, you're like, oh, he's nineteen. So if we have him for three years, imagine what he can be once we're done developing him. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, at this point. Davion's still barely older than Marvin, and Marvin they've had for this time and for injuries and different things, it doesn't feel like he's ready to go. That's the one thing that I don't like because the one-and-done player, if you're a college basketball coach, what incentive do you have to make him an all-around better player? Right. You don't. You just have to get him to win you a title. It's like, okay, so what are you great at? What are you okay at what are you bad at yeah how do we hide that right and which is the, what they did at duke with marvin they played zone him and yeah. uh, wendell carter and then once because once you get in the nba and yeah, they'll figure it out it's not my problem yeah yeah but like what there's no incentive there yeah now i've always felt that there should be like a european style system to where teams can get players at 13 14 years old mm. get them in your program or whatever and then if you say because look at how well-rounded a player luca is that's not a shock right. all these players that came through Europe it's because they have them they're like oh he's going to be here for from 12 to 16 yeah we're gonna what are you great at okay we're gonna make you good at what you're bad at yeah <laughs> he could shoot he could pass yeah hasn't really got that anger management down but no no that's the one he needs to work on for sure and make it more fun to watch him because he's got all the skills but mm. all right we're almost done here but we got to get the uh, crossover from the morning show What's happening on the Carmichael Dave Show? Let's find out right now with the crossover. Here's today's crossover. Crossover time, Jason. Uh, I said at the beginning of the show I will be uh, taking a hack at making some homemade beef jerky tonight. So my question for you is twofold. Are there any special, and leave your your lovely wife and her family out of this because I know they're the royalty of cooks. Is there anything, do you have for you a special project, dish, or thing you make every once in a while? And with the weather turning, please share with the class, what are some of your favorite soups and or stews? No gumbos, that's your wife, to make. Uh, it is gumbo, that is the right answer. So if I'm taking that away, um, we're actually having soup tonight. Soup. Um, good soup. Yeah, good soup. Uh, I love soup. Chris, you like soup? Eh. I don't know. Is pasoli, would you consider that a yeah. soup or a stew? Okay. Yeah. Pasoli, menudo. Okay. Those are my favorites. Um, yeah. I mean, chicken noodle, vegetable beef, French onion. I, I've never made that one uh, myself. I don't I don't like canned. No, 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 no. Okay. No, no, no. Homemade. Yeah, we're talking about homemade then stuff. I don't know anybody that makes. <laughs> what? I know a couple people that make like homemade soup, but. Oh, really? Yeah. Let's bring you some soup. Did, were you ever here? When, did I? Uh, I know I brought in gumbo one time. Were you here for that? No. Okay. I'll have to make that happen. All right. Any uh, restrictions? You eat all seafood and everything? Oh, yeah. Okay, you can have that batch. Yeah, I have to stay away from some of those things. I think you'll love Have you had gumbo before? 
Because gumbo is actually the most varied dish. I think I had it a long time. It was like a long time ago, and it was like a group, like a huge group, Mm -hmm. like hundreds of people type of thing. So I don't think you're getting the The best of the batch. Best of the batch. (laughs) All right. But, yeah, Dave, I think it is soup time. That sounds good. Make soup. I like to make that. Uh, I think we've tried chili before. But, see, when you have a great cook in your house, my wife just crushes it. I like to barbecue. I like to cook. crushes it? My wife. Um, yeah, so leave it to the experts. Though I like to try and participate, just, just I can admit I'm not as good. All right, that's it for us. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're back tomorrow on a shorter show. Lincoln Kennedy will join us uh, before we get to the Kings and the Spurs tomorrow. But up next, UC Davis Aggies basketball. Scott Marsh has the call of UC Davis versus Utah State. That's coming up next right here on Sports 1140 KHTK. See you.